We share the solution that makes going doorless easier than ever, once and for all. And if you ever used a spotter, we'll find out if you did it right or you're doing something wrong. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, this show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Jeeps. Jeeps. Hey, by the way, we're doing a, uh, a live Zoom meeting right now, so uh, if you guys want to attend the show, this is a great time for you guys to do it. Some of you uh, might remember uh, watching the live show on uh, YouTube back years ago. Uh, this is kind of like that, but there's a little more fun involved because when you join the Zoom meeting, you can listen to the show as we record it and talk to each other. Hi, I'm Tammy. I did a little social distancing in the desert this week and dropped the F-bomb several times. <laughs> hey, I'm Josh, and I need a shave and a haircut so bad I'm starting to look like a cross between Grizzly Adams and Wolfman Jack. Yeah, timely reference is brought to you by Tony. <laughs> I like it when I can get them. <laughs> And howdy, it's Wendy, and I had the best time on the trails this week. Oh, said, God. Said no one on lockdown. Oh, okay. You're, okay, I was getting ready to complain. <laughs> I'm Tony, and if it tells time or lights up, it's okay by me. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And Jeep has forever been known as the king of the off-road, and its heritage has carried it with mixed reviews into the world of overlanding over the last decade or so. Wranglers aren't exactly plush on space, or storage for that matter, and so it's no surprise the reception the Gladiator has seen in the aftermarket overlanding and expedition wheeling markets. And it's to this foray into uncharted waters that Jeep is now finding traction, and with that comes partnerships with other big-name companies in the overlanding world. Spot, for instance, offers off-road enthusiasts and backcountry adventurers critical connectivity in remote areas of the world. Products include emergency response and international SOS services, giving peace of mind to hundreds of thousands of users globally. To date, Spot has achieved over 7,000 rescues in more than 100 countries. This week, news broke that a licensing deal between Global Star affiliate Spot LLC and Jeep and the Jeep brand has been finalized. As a part as part of an effort to expand its footprint in the overland adventure market, Global Star is developing an exclusive new line of Jeep and Spot co-branded products. What this means is that it gives Jeep the ability to offer its customers endless opportunities to pursue their adventures once the road ends in a connected and safe manner. This is going to give both Spot and Jeep users a link to a brand they can trust with their lives, literally. Now imagine being able to link up to your Jeep to call for help or or your Jeep being able to tell searchers where the where you are in relation to where the vehicle is. There are literally so many possibilities for hikers, climbers, overlanders, and wheelers that this may open up a new level of emergency communication, one that may very soon be built into the Jeep that you buy. Yeah, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> this is maybe going to be some, one of those things where it's clearly going to be a subscription type of service, I would imagine. Uh, if you're going to be buying a Jeep and it's going to be some, one of those weekend warrior vehicles or you're going to be buying a Gladiator specifically to outfit it as an overlanding vehicle, knowing that you're going to be in the wilderness for days at a time, 
hundreds of miles from civilization, uh, then this might be a feature that that will be uh, be uh, uh, attractive to you. Now, this isn't going to be something that where you know you've got uh, um, you know uh, Big Brother constantly watching you, as it were. But there would be a real time GPS communication ping constantly happening with your vehicle to uh, the service or satellite or something like that, to where uh, in the event of emergency, there's nothing that you need to turn on or activate. It's already there. Uh, there may be levels of service to this that you will have to activate or, or something like that. I'm not sure exactly the the technology and the interface um, as to how this is going to be developed moving forward, but it's certainly very interesting nonetheless as far as uh, a feature um, in emergency communication-wise, rather, uh, that is going to be built into vehicles, or at least possibly being built into vehicle uh, vehicle features moving forward. So I'll mention this again. Uh, I don't know how it's actually going to play out. Uh, I, I've heard from SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk, talking about uh, the the new Starlink, which is going to be a global wor- worldwide high speed internet. That mm-hmm. the the device that you'll be using is about the size of a pizza box, and he wants to make the the instructions really simple: uh, point top towards sky, power on. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know that whenever the Dish, uh, the uh, DirecTV services came out, there were RVs with uh, DirecTV receivers that would automatically position themselves so you could watch DirecTV uh, in the RV, I think even while moving. So yeah. this won't even be that complicated because you won't have yeah. to point it at a satellite. You just need to have uh, open outdoor. So I don't know how much it'll cost, but once high-speed internet is available from the top of your rig, especially in the overlanding situation, um, I think that these th- type of things are going to be very common and very cheap, but we'll have to wait and well, see. You look how common OnStar is now or XM Sirius Satellite Radio, you know, things like that, that features that were, were you know, standalone units uh, eventually adopted by automakers and now pretty much commonplace in just about every vehicle, um, ever, you know, made. So uh, it's this is one of those things to where... Yeah, this is new sort of new realms of, of, of you know, ventureship between two, two companies. Uh, and what comes of this is, is really anybody's guess at this point. Uh, but I, I really foresee this becoming, you know, standardized uh, options, if you will, uh, in, in vehicles in the near future. So we'll see, I guess. Well, I guess the point I was making here is, is that those type of uh, communications setups that you're talking about are very reliant on the cellular network. And if you're out in the sticks, like some of the overlanders do, or even the uh, the weekend jeepers do, you may not have cell service. So no, satellite radio is line of sight. So as long as you're not in a tunnel or or really deep in the trees, you've got you've got connectivity. So I mean, the same thing is going to apply here in, in this sort of thing. This is satellite level based communication, strictly you know space to vehicle, in other words, or or you know satellite to to uh, to device. Uh, in in a case of Spot, they have a lot of handheld devices that are directly linked up to a satellite, much like a a handheld uh, GPS device uh, would be. It has no reliance on on any sort of uh, tower communication service whatsoever. It is directly linked up to a, a minimum of three satellites for triangulation and 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 networking. Um, you know, for for location and stuff. Right, but very my point is, is that you were saying this, this is very expensive. The, uh, well, we don't know. We don't know if this. I mean, I would imagine this would if be. If you're a talking to a satellite, service. it's very expensive, and it's going to. I mean, what's what's XM uh, Sirius satellite radio? Was it eight dollars a month? Well, you're not talking a year. You're not talking to that satellite. You're. It's different receiving satellite information and sending information up to a satellite, like as well, in a, a satellite talking, phone. You know, 
Yeah, but we're not going to be talking about satellite phone communication. We're not talking about being able to communicate. We're talking about being able to send an emergency signal, a packet. Hmm. So we're, it's basically packet information. It, you know, it, I, I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> and and it, that's really all, all we're talking, at least as far as the, the, the initial steps, the initial uh, level of technology that's going to be integrated into this. So I'm sure that it might expand. I'm sure that we might be able to see, you know, in the future, uh, satellite level vehicle, vehicle, vehicle to vehicle communications where you and your buddy can talk while you're both are on the trail. And one of you is, is, you know, on the Rubicon and the other person is in, in, uh, uh, Abu Dhabi or something. You know, I, I don't know, but, uh, but that's, that's way down the road, I, I would imagine. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. You know, talking that level of, of back and forth communication would obviously be very expensive, especially when we're talking about vehicle to satellite. And that's kind of my point is, is that I think the Starlink is going to uh, make things like this uh, not, not viable because it'll be so cheap and high. You're talking about a gigabit worth of bandwidth to your vehicle. Uh, anywhere in the world, it, it, with the exception of the poles. But anyway, like you say, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, I just think that there's going to be a, a lot of this stuff is going to be changing uh, as uh, Starlink. And I think uh, Bezos from Amazon is also looking at doing a similar type of thing. Pretty soon you won't be able to see anything uh, in the I sky. I know, right? It'll just be satellites. <laughs> <laughs> well, a rather odd incident occurred on one of Colorado's scenic highways and byways this week. Ordinarily, a news story about a Jeep <laughs> and an accident in a state that has some world-class off-road destinations may not garner a second glance, but this is one of those that stood out, and you'll quickly understand why. we got to have this According picture in the, in the show notes. This is oh, hilarious. I'm to. sorry. I started <laughs> laughing at this. Josh has a picture of this in the show notes. Go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. I had to explain there, there, that laugh. There's, definite, there's visual <laughs> context to this, so you're not, you're not talking out of line at all, but, and, and, and the listeners will, will sort of get up to speed here as we go through this. Now, according to the Lakewood Police Department, a black four-door Jeep Wrangler hit a light pole before, change, uh, before uh, charging several hundred feet up the side of a 6,800-some-odd-foot tall green mountain. Now, Jeeps can pretty much go anywhere and do anything, but I'm sure it's safe to say that police in any jurisdiction wouldn't take too kindly to somebody turning a 50-foot pole of a streetlight into a hood ornament and then trying to do some hill climbs off of a designated trail. Okay, I mean, if you're on a designated trail and you're treading lightly, then who am I to judge your choice of hood ornament? But since <laughs> driver McNobrains couldn't get his light pole bearing Jeep up the sheer face of a 6,000 foot mountainside, the Jeep eventually became stuck, came to a stop, and the operator bailed. It's strange, even though the incident is still under investigation, there have been very little details released surrounding this whole thing. Now, what we know is what we know the light pole had become one with this Jeep after being ran into by said Jeep. And we know that the driver ran through town with his fancy new Jeep mod and then went off-roading where he failed to perform a successful hill climb and ran from the rig when it stopped and was caught moments later. You know, on second thought, I think we know enough. Oh, my <laughs> this gosh. Guy. That's a light bar, Josh. That's just one of those new That's fancy light bar. bars. Oh, <laughs> the big bright one. <laughs> Do you see that oil trail behind the rig there on the street? Oh, I don't know gosh. what that is. Yeah, that's I, either li just, that's liquid of some sort, but it's definitely going uh, to the the back of that Jeep. I bet you uh, the transmission cooler. I bet you that's transmission fluid. It doesn't look like water. I guess it could be, but it looks it looks darker and greasier than what water is. It, it looks like a bad time. I, oh, this God. person must Horrible. have been high, drunk, both. I yeah, don't know something. what because. Yeah. I, I, oh seriously, gosh. how are you going to be driving around like that? I want to know how the Jeep handled with this <laughs> thing sticking 50 feet in the air off the hood. Uh, 
Yeah, and no, you can't yeah, even you see. Sign in front I want to know how it stayed on. Gee whiz, that is like what a, a, a thirty foot pole, light pole, and at the, least, yeah. <laughs> and it had it's literally embedded into the grill. How can he see around that sign? I, he can't. Yeah. He cannot. I, I wonder what the maybe, sign maybe that's says. why he didn't make it up the hill climb. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any event, uh, if uh, you want to check out the picture for yourself, we'll, of course, have it in the show notes for this episode. This is definitely a must-see, folks. What, what so, are we, uh, 433? We're on 433 this week, right? So look yeah. at episode 433. Yep. Yeah, you got to see it, guys. It's worth it. <laughs> and oh, if you have man. a news tip or response to any one of our stories, including this one, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. That was a good catch, uh, Josh. That's that's just that damned amazing. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up at Tech Talk, think about going doorless this year? You won't want to miss this tip that will make this chore easier for years to come. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Wow, what a coincidence. My plan was to share America's best kept secret of off-roading, and luck would have it. I was able to sneak out to this place for some amazing, some amazing off-roading this past week. Last fall, Neil and I ventured across America and met some really awesome Jeepers, and we wheeled some really cool places in the West like Sedona, Red Rocks, Southern California, Colorado, and Kingman, Arizona. When you think of great wheeling, most people think of Moab or the Colorado Mountains or even the Rubicon Trail. Don't get me wrong, these places are amazing to wheel. The scenery is spectacular and the trails are awesome. Now, the Rubicon Trail is on my bucket list. Moab was on my bucket list, as was Colorado. But Kingman, Arizona wasn't even on my radar for wheeling. Luck would have it, we needed to do some official business this week, and it happened to bring us to the Kingman, Arizona area again. The third time we've been there. Now, you don't, when you hear Kingman, you usually think of historic Route 66, which, don't get me wrong, there is part of Route historic Route 66 that had me dropping the F-bomb left and right. (laughs) I highly recommend if you're ever in the area, take historic Route 66 from Kingman to Oatman, Arizona. What a spectacular scenic drive. Plus, Oatman is this cool little mining town with burrows roaming the streets. I had a plastic grocery bag with some socks, decals, and a Kit Kat bar that I bought in it. This old ass walked right up to me and, and snatched onto that Kit Kat bar in my plastic bag and tore it right out. Oh Needless to say, I never got to enjoy that chocolate bar. This eight-mile section of historic Route 66 has 191 turns, curves, and switchbacks. Motorcycle enthusiasts love to ride this route. It's an amazing drive in your Jeep as well. Now, a great stop on this curvy mountain road is a little spot called Cool Springs. It's a place to grab a hot dog, a drink, and get some cool souvenirs. Plus, there's a cool hike up to the mountain. A hike with your feet, not in your Jeep. Okay, so that's not the best kept secret, but a cool little Jeep life trip. Now, the best kept secret is the wheeling in Kingman, Arizona area. 
There are 40 to 50 named trails with over 10,000 miles of two tracks just in Mojave County alone. Now, this is the county that was able to stop BLM from closing down trails with a little help from Rick Swats. I shared that with you way back a couple months ago. Now, these trails aren't just your everyday trail where you wheel a moderate trail then hit some difficult obstacles a couple of times on the trail. These trails are one big, long, difficult obstacle with huge rocks, ledges, and waterfall climbs winding through the Wallapai Mountains or the Black Mountains. Now, a mile-long trail could take up to five or six hours. The first time we went to Kingman, we hit the trail home court. I thought we were on the trail, but we were actually on the two-track to the trail. These trails to the trail are challenging in a different way, especially if you're afraid of heights. There's a lot of tight curves and switchbacks up and down the mountains, so it's like a double bonus. This is the case for most of the trails in Mojave County. Now, the six trails we have hit have all been in washes. They have been the most technical trails I have ever been on. And a wash is, just in case you don't know, a wash is like an old creek bed, an old river bed that's dried up. But during lots of rain, there'll be flash floods and water will go through these washes and they'll totally rearrange the trails and they'll be totally different after a big rain. Like I said, these have been the most technical trails I have ever been on. The last time I was there wheeling my Jeep, I wheeled the trail Twister, a very difficult trail, and I did it without a spotter. It seems I've upped my game when it comes to technical wheeling, but I do have a long ways to go as I still need to work on my throttle control. I'm a little, I'm a little timid when it comes to that skinny pedal. So if you are ever in the Kingman, Arizona area, look up the group Rocks and Wheels. These are a great group of wheelers who will take you out on some of the most amazing technical wheeling trails there are. Also, don't forget to check out Historic Route 66 from Kingman to Oatman. It also, wow. sounds, it also sounds like if you want to have some fun beating up some uh, homeless people, you just take some Kit Kats out there. Uh, yeah. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Because why? All those asses? <laughs> yes. That's, These donkeys uh, were very, very aggressive. And they're all over on the trail. So you really have to be careful, like when you're coming around a curve or one of those oh, switchbacks. Because they're all of a sudden God. right there. Oh, thank God. I thought a person came up and got that Kit Kat from you. Seriously. Oh. I thought it was a person oh. that you were talking about. Oh, I was like, holy hell. How did, you, how did you let that happen? I wouldn't have let that oh. happen. No. In fact, no, if you, if you go on the... donkey. Oh, yeah, and, I missed it. And if... If you go on the website and, and even type in Oatman, uh, there's a famous donkey that they follow. He has a whole website page. It's pretty huge. I just didn't realize all the turns. That's crazy. Tammy, 191 you, of those. Wow. <laughs> you should have gone and got another uh, Kit Kat and uh, this time got your uh, uh, somebody to videotape what was happening. That would have been a great YouTube moment. No, I know. I wish I got a picture of the donkey smelling the Kit Kat bar as it was on the ground. That's about as close as I could get. But yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it is. Uh, oh, that is great. That's so funny about my uh, uh, misunderstanding. I was sitting there uh, managing yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the Zoom meeting while, uh, while, I, while you were reading. So it's, uh, that's my fault for not paying attention. So I, I have a question oh, for no, you, Tammy. That's... Are you taking pictures and doing some sort of a scrapbook? Or are you sort of keeping the memories? Because that sounds like it was just be an awesome trail to be on. Oh, yeah. I... Um, 
we I've done videos. Well, I've shot videos on all these trails. I just posted up the trail twister on my YouTube channel. Um, cool. I'll be doing Wayne's World. We did Safe Flight. So yeah, there'll be videos of each trail that'll be on YouTube. I also share pictures on my Facebook page and of course on my blog, which That's is cool. Jeepmama J E E P M O M M A dot com. Thank you for bringing that up. So I, I yeah, need to promote my important. blog more often. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, not a world record. What did you call it? the The blog was a uh, you won an award or something for it, didn't you? Oh yeah, the Jeeps. Um, the top God, what was it? The top. 15 jeep blogs in the world yeah the so, wow 15 jeep, yeah, yeah she she doesn't even mention that anymore <sighs> i actually it's, i moved i even moved awarded top 15 jeep blog i i need to bring that up again of I, course. I just need to put it in the show notes for every single time and how does tammy's jeep life compare with yours we're always looking for jeep stories so contact us and let us know what your jeep life is like just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how yeah, are you a jeeper who takes their top off? If you like to, well, find out where the best place to go topless is with Mitch in Jeep Weather, coming up later in the show. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys free for, I don't know, years now, and I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out, and, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on, because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! So it seems everywhere except where Wendy lives is starting to get warmer and show us signs that summer is right around the corner. And with all this nice weather and promises of warmer temps ahead, it's likely got you thinking of taking the top off and enjoying that open air experience that only comes with owning a Jeep Wrangler. And what completes that experience more than taking the top off? Taking the doors off, too. And it's truly open-air driving at its finest. Or so you thought. You've taken off the hinge bolts, and now you have pulled, pushed, yanked, reefed, and swung those damn doors back and forth so many times you've built up a sweat. And, well, you're trying your hardest to get those doors off, and nothing seems to work. You've done pretty much everything you thought you should do, and the things budge. Well, that factory door hinge pin bushing design is really not the best, and that's where all your problems are stemming from. If your doors are truly stuck, then there are a few things that you can do. Searching online will reveal anything from the dangerous to the stupid, so be careful what you decide to do in the end. People seem to gravitate to either using some form of a hoist or ratcheting strap contraption attached to the ceiling to provide an upward pull, or I've heard of people having a lot of success using a jack and a length of wood to distribute the force and not bend metal from underneath. But that just sounds like a That's bad day in the waiting. Yeah, <laughs> now there's those who use the hinge bolts as punches and hammer against them after unthreading them about halfway. This seems to work well, but you take a high risk of damaging the body with a missed strike or stripping the threads of the hinge bolts if you hit too hard too many times. My solution is a lot slower, but a lot safer, and that involves a liberal amount of penetrating oil. Lubing those the hinges up more than they ever should be with a high-grade penetrating oil, and no, WD-40 is not the same thing, will help loosen things up as you work the door back and forth. 
Letting that oil work for a while is the key to this. The longer you let it sit, the better it will work. But it will work after some time. Now, here's where the trick comes in. We don't want you having to do that every single year or every time that you want to go doorless. So the trick is that once you do have your doors off, you install a set of Dell bushings to replace the factory ones, making your future door removal quick and easy once and for all. It's a simple mod, not very sexy, certainly not very expensive, and it's hard to show off, but something you will definitely appreciate when it's time for those doors to come off again, even if it's a year or more down the road. So grab some penetrating oil, not the WD-40, apply it to those stubborn factory door hinge pinch bushings, and then read up on door removal techniques and get a set of Delrin bushings while the oil does, does its thing. There are a million places that both sell or make these things, so I'm not going to bother pointing you in a specific direction here. Just know that these things are out there, they are available, they're relatively cheap, and they will make your Jeep life a whole lot easier once installed. So, to make sure uh, I'm hearing this correctly, you're saying no to WD-40. That is correct. Not only no, but hell no. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I don't even own any WD-40. Do you know what WD stands for? Water displacement. Water displacement. That's oh, I, right. Sorry, I thought I had to answer. No, you did. You, you're right. You're right. 100%. <laughs> it's, it's really, it's not a lubricator. Yeah, sure, it's all right for your bike, chain, your skateboard wheels, or that squeaky door in the corner of the house, I suppose. But really, if you're doing any sort of lubrication on your Jeep or, or vehicle for that matter, farm equipment, I don't care what the hell you're working on. Screw the WD-40. You want to go after something that's going to really get in there, no matter how rusty and crusty things are, how much frozen up things are, how long it's been sitting. And there's only two products that I trust when it comes down to this. Croil is one of them, K-R-O-I-L, and PB Blaster, which I swear by. That stuff is amazing, and it blows the water out of any, pretty much anything, including WD-40. So, I forgot to mention to you before the, the so, start of the show, we have a new sponsor. It's uh, WD-40. Yeah, it's WD-40. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so I'll oh, be cutting Josh, this out of the you, show. All right. This whole section gone. <laughs> Oops. I know what Josh Editing. is ranting about. <laughs> so, Josh, would you say no to the Jack and the Wood? Because that's Look, what I, I mean, did. It, 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 it works. It's going to work for some people, and I think Dangerous. it's going to be a regional thing. It is not something that I would <laughs> try. It, just, it, it seems too risky uh, for me. One, you're going to be building up some pressure. There's going to be some kinetic energy buildup there that is going to release at a certain point. Um, secondly, you're going to be jacking up one side, one corner of the vehicle. Likely, you're going to be doing this with the door at least partially open. Um, how are you keeping that door in place? Um, yeah, you are, how many people you are, are involved in this process? Really, so, you know, so the, and, and, the door doesn't launch out into the, the onto the concrete. Well, the doors are, are meant to be removed <laughs> straight up. Absolutely. And, and if you're using if you're using a jack, you're going to be essentially jacking that vehicle at an arc oh, we had uh, a, towards the opposite side. We had side. a floor jack. Yeah, yeah I mean floor jack, jack, bottle jack. You know, any any one of those. I mean, I'm sure that it worked in the end. It's just there's so much potential that can go wrong. Uh, with that, that I, that I would I would encourage people to steer away from it. Now, do what you're going to do, and if it's worked yeah, for you for sure. the last ten years, by all means, continue to do so. What I am saying is, is once you get your doors off, however you do it, once they're off, do not put them back on without replacing the factory bushings with these Delrin inserts. It will save you a ton of headache. And these things are bulletproof. This is once and done. One and done, you're, this is the last time you're ever going to have to do with it. And I don't care if you live in the middle of the salt belt and your Jeep is half rust already. 
these things are going to outlast your Jeep and you're never going to have to replace them again. And you will be able to go doorless every single year, every single time you want to without having to break out a hammer or some penetrating oil or a jack or whatever you have to do. You got a whole kit over there in the side out of the garage that you, you know just take your doors off no more not with these things i i was just going to say with all of our social distancing josh you might have started something here we're probably going to get some pictures or video of people oh, actually trying to get their doors off so oh yeah no absolutely and look at this contraption i built and yeah. it's got this whole <laughs> goldberg thing and yeah it takes five minutes to get one door off but it's really fancy and it looks cool no absolutely and honestly if if you have a trick a tip or something that I didn't cover here in you know, oh this surefire thing you just got to use some Pam and a and a and a and a lighter you know or something I don't know if you if you got if you got a MacGyver like uh, solution for getting your doors off we want to hear it uh, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com/contact and you can find out all the ways you can reach out and let us know uh, a tip or a trick that you have for getting your doors off. The Jeep Talk Show has a huge back catalog of great episodes. In episode 76, we interviewed a jeeper that was chased by a black helicopter. When we were coon hunting, it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, and, and everything was pretty, pretty dead. We got on this road, and we just started hauling butt, trying to make it to our dogs. As we're driving along on this road, and our buddy in the back, he says, there's a helicopter chasing us. Well, there was a helicopter up there, but I shrugged it off. I said, that's not chasing us. He's just <laughs> flying around. This thing was treetop level, maybe 300 feet behind us. I mean, it was obviously chasing at this, at this point. You know, we don't know if maybe we weren't supposed to be in there after all. You know, are we in, in some serious trouble? What do these guys want? And and my brother got scared and, and he floored it. He's going to try to outrun this UA-60 Blackhawk helicopter, which is not going to happen. Head over to JeepTalkShow.com and listen to episode 76 to hear the final outcome. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, what, one of the best things I did early on was jump in the driver's seat of our Jeep. We had been going out on runs and obstacles for a while, and Bill said, you want to drive? Well, that was the start of learning something new that I had no idea I needed or wanted. When you first drive, it seems simple, just like on a regular highway, until you come to an obstacle. Now here in Big Bear, we don't have simple rocks to climb or basic obstacles. Rocks tend to be spread out into one long continuous obstacle. Being new, it was hard for me to comprehend the line I needed to pick and the way the Jeep would operate. This is where a good spotter comes in. I was fortunate to have my husband Bill as my first spotter. His entire life of off-roading and jeeping gave me confidence that he would keep me on the right line and get me through the obstacle. This gave me a solid foundation of what to do and how to do it. Now, using a spotter is very essential for beginners. You are learning all kinds of nuggets and how your jeep needs to navigate through the obstacle. A good spotter has some great qualities and not all are created equal. A good spotter is patient and calm. This is probably the most valuable of the qualities. Having a patient and calm spotter allows you, the driver, to remain calm and get through the obstacle with ease. A good spotter gives good and clear commands. This may seem obvious, but I've seen all kinds of weirdness out there from double commands to yelling, especially the husbands to the wives, to giving the wrong commands to you name it. What I'm saying is you, the driver, can decide who will spot you. It's your choice to use a spotter or not, and it's your choice to choose your spotter. If you feel more comfortable with your significant other, like I did, then that's your choice. If you want to use someone else in the group, then do so. Just a note for anyone whose significant other didn't choose you, 
get over it. This is about them learning. Don't be that guy or gal. Now, there are some things that will help you when you're using a spotter. The spotter's job is to help you line up for that obstacle. This may include having you back up several times so that the rear tires align with the track they want you to proceed with. Once spotting begins, pay attention. So many times I see this. We get someone lined up only to have them stop paying attention and do their own thing. Stick with it, and as hard as it may be, don't take your eyes off the spotter. They are there to help you. Stick with the spotter until you are finished. Once you decide to use the spotter, stay with them. They are your eyes once you get closer to the obstacle, and their job is to guide you over the obstacle with ease and help you navigate. I see this all the time. A Jeep, a Jeep gets partway through and the driver thinks they're all clear and stops watching the spotter, and guess what? Their tires slip off the rock and you know, and you're now balancing on your drive shaft. And then it's just fun fodder for the spotter to try to figure out how to get you back on track. You may experience multiple people trying to help you through an obstacle at the same time. Now we all love to help. However, you need to listen or watch one spider, spotter at a time. And those of you helping to spot a newbie, make sure you're the only one giving the direction. Now, there are some commands that you should be aware of. Some spotters use verbal commands and others use nonverbal commands. Both have pros and cons. I personally tend to prefer the nonverbal, and I'll explain why in a moment. Let's start with the verbal commands. These are usually the most commonly used. It seems that most people are good at speaking their directions, and most drivers are good at listening. But sometimes the verbal commands get lost in translation, especially if a newbie isn't familiar with what the spotter actually wants them to do. The tone of your voice and patience is important here for the newbie. Verbal commands can be misinterpreted, not heard, or confusing. Verbal commands can also lend themselves to allow the driver to look away from the spotter while they wait for the next verbal command. So here's some verbal commands that are generally used. You might hear driver or turn driver. This means turning your wheels toward the driver. Passenger or turn passenger, simply meaning turn your wheels toward the passenger side. Maybe you hear the word easy, which is easy on the throttle of the brake. How about control your rear? When coming off an obstacle, slow down and ease the back end off the rocks so you don't bounce your bumper off the rocks. And stop. This is very important for you to stop and freeze if you hear this command. You may have no idea what's about to happen if you don't stop. Now let's move on to the nonverbal commands, also known as hand signals. These tend to help the driver keep their eyes on the spotter. There is no verbal command and the driver has to pay attention. The command should be easy to understand and obvious. In other words, make the hand gesture simple but large and not obscured by clothing or gloves. I was spotting on a run and it was a really cold day. The gloves I had on were black, my jacket was black, and the drivers couldn't see my hand signals as easy. Once I removed the gloves and got my hands away from my body, no problem. Now some common nonverbal hand signals. So pointing left usually signifies using your finger to point left for the driver to turn right. Pointing right with your finger pointed right has, means the driver needs to turn left. Coming forward, they might use their hands with their palms facing up the spotter and a, more, a motion to come forward. Same with going back, they're just gonna be pushing you backwards. And climbing up and down a rock, the spider will point to the tire, tire and use their open palm in an up or down motion to indicate that the tire is about to go up a rock or come down off the rock. And again, stop. This is usually done with the closed fist. Really important when a Jeep is stuck and people are helping to move rocks under the Jeep or whatever. A closed fist signifies that the driver must not move. This means don't turn the wheel and don't let your foot off the brake. The Jeep might move and pinch or trap someone's fingers or worse. 
It has happened to me. I was helping to move rocks for a stuck Jeep. My husband was spotting and this driver, what a butthead, let his foot off the brake and the Jeep <laughs> rolled forward. Luckily, I was not injured, but I thought my husband was going to blow a gasket. And that driver got a very quick verbal lesson in stop means stop and don't move. Now, the best and my favorite is the mirror imaging. I learned this technique from Don Alexander. The spotter holds their hands up as if they were holding a steering wheel with the hands in the 2 o'clock and 10 o'clock position. The spotter moves the hands as if turning the steering wheel in the direction they want the driver to turn. The driver sees this and applies the same motion. It's amazing to watch this actually work, and it does take some time to get actually using it, if you're the spotter. The best thing I can say is this mirror image can show small or large movements. Compare that to someone saying, driver, what does that actually mean? Is that a tiny turn or a full lock turn? With the mirror image, the spotter is showing you how much to turn. If they move a tiny bit, you move the steering wheel the same. If it needs to go full lock, well, then you go full lock. Visually, it's the best in my opinion. Now, another thing, visibility of the spotter is very important, especially when you're a new driver. It's vital for the driver to see the spotter clearly at all times and for the spotter to clearly see the driver. The spotter may need to adjust their position so they can see you. If, they can't, if you can't see them, speak up. Sometimes the Jeep may be in a climbing position and the spotter needs to get to a higher plane so you can see them. Or perhaps you're coming down off an obstacle and the spotter may need to adjust lower down so that you can see each other. Now, as a newbie driver, I recommend you get out and look at the obstacle for yourself before driving through. Watch other Jeeps go through and watch how that spotter is getting them through. Also, before you begin, ask the spotter how they'll be spotting you. You need to understand what commands, is it verbal or nonverbal, that they'll be using. Once you start driving over obstacles, I can tell you it is very exhilarating. Using a spotter is beneficial to learning what your Jeep is capable of and how it feels. And by the way, using a spotter is a badge of honor. It means you tackled a tough obstacle, whether it's your first time or you're an experienced driver. Having an extra set of eyes is so powerful. Don't be afraid to use a spotter. That goes for all you experienced drivers too. Now guys, I know we've all used them, but what are some of, your, some of the things that you wish were done differently when you used a spotter? Or maybe you have a nugget you want to add on to using a spotter. Oh, those are all very uh, good I tips, Wendy. Thank you. I was just going to say, I think people on the sidelines, if there's a spotter spotting someone in a Jeep, people on the sidelines need to keep their mouths quiet. Oh, I oh, agree sometimes 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 50 people yelling at you. You're like, shut up. Yeah, not, nothing yeah. like being spotted from the peanut gallery. That's, just, that's oh, great. Man. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. I, I think that's really true, Tammy. And a lot of people... They think they're helping and they're seeing it from a different angle. And so they start to pitch in, pitch in. And I think it's the job of the lead spotter, whoever that is, to say, all right, everybody, be quiet. I'm in charge. And make right. sure the driver reconnects yeah, exactly. back with you. So as a newbie, don't be afraid to say, can everybody be quiet? Or I need only just one person because sometimes that'll happen. Right. And they're all really trying to help. So that's a great suggestion, Tammy. So, no. Wendy, I think I know the answer to this. They are, uh, but is there any time that uh, actual radio communications would be handy between the driver and the spotter? I mean, I know you're usually within uh, earshot, but uh, uh, I don't know if it would be worth the the delay to get the headset uh, set up and uh, actually speak with the spotter. You know, I think it's good. I, I would use it, especially now with social distancing. Um, oh, yeah. If I'm, you know, already in a position to spot somebody, I might use the radio to tell them what I want to do rather than coming to the Jeep. But 
as a spotter, I'm going to go to somebody and ask them what's their level of experience? What are they thinking? What line do they think they want? And you can tell really quickly, does this person know what I've just asked them or they don't? But as a newbie, I think it's hard because we go into it thinking, okay, I'll just do whatever someone tells me. Well, there are some things that if you can learn a little bit ahead of time, when you go into that situation, you ultimately as the driver have the say, but if you're so new, you don't know to say yes or no. So using those kind of communications, I think having real time with no lapse might be better than using a radio communication. I mean, that would be my, my answer to that, Tony. Yeah, I'm remembering now because you came up and uh, spoke to me. I remember you said uh, at all times during the ride, make sure you keep your arms and hands inside the Jeep. <laughs> and your trays in an upright position. Absolutely. Exactly. And the stewardess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but, it's, but it's that's true. You, you, Go ahead. You bring up a lot of a lot of good points. Now, you know, I think I know things are differently pretty much everywhere you go in every state. You know, the the off road terrain, uh, people, and and everything is, is entirely different. Now, out here in in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of the a lot of the times, the person who is spotting is the first person up, and who that is also the person who is generally leading the group, who is the trail leader True. or something like mm-hmm. that. This is not a person who is a a certified guide. This is not Correct. a person who, who has been through an off-roading school. This is just the guy who ended up first. <laughs> and and yeah. oftentimes, um, you would have more seat time and more experience than that person um, it, only because they, they managed to get out in front of the pack, uh, you, know, uh, you know, at this point in time on this, on this particular run or, or, you know, they just happen to have an easier time getting through the obstacle than anybody else and, and they managed to get up ahead of the pack or something like that. I've been in many situations to where my experience and seat time far, far outweighed the experience uh, that the person who was trying to spot me had, and yes. and I and and I knew one hundred and ten percent without equivocation that if I listened to them, I was going to end up on my side, or I was going to mm-hmm. end up with some degree of carnage, or I was going to have to pull cable, or you know something like that. Right. And I knew my vehicle, I knew its reactions, I knew my capabilities, I knew the the line, the terrain, the 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 uh, the environment, everything, the you know, how slick things were. I knew what to expect, and I know a lot of people are probably you know sitting here and saying, "Well, well, yeah, you, you only knew what you knew because you were sitting there, and you know you only you don't know what you don't know." And and the person sitting outside the vehicle, they're going to know more than you. And, and and honestly, it was just one of these situations to where you know a spotter in this, and it's happened a few times, did not have the experience or didn't have the the perspective or the point of view to properly guide somebody over an obstacle. I've ran into those situations before, and it's it's either that or it's the peanut gallery thing, where mm-hmm. you've got too many people all trying to give direction all at the same time because they all have um, inside line on that particular <laughs> obstacle. You know, they've yes. been over that thing you know the thirty experts. times, so they know the run yeah. right. They're right. the expert. So yeah. you know, and everybody thinks that they're the expert, and not everybody's the expert. But sometimes nope. you well, yourself. Are the experts. If if you're driving the Jeep, you're pilot in command. It, it's your responsibility to drive that Jeep the best way you know how. Even if you're wrong, it's still your right to wave off the the spotter. I would assume that is correct. Yes, and I was going to say that, Josh. So were you able to tell that spotter, you know what, I'm good. I don't need help. I know more than you. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I, I don't Swanson. think you have to say it that way. But I mean, is is that what happened, Josh? Were you able to say, you know, thank you, but I've got this, and they backed off, or did they in, in a manner of speaking? But you know, it's it's really. I'm very glad that you brought up one particular point, and and I'm going to say it in a slightly different way. It's not always what you say, but how, how you, you say, say it. Oh, so true. 
And so I've been in situations where, where I, I've been spotting people and, and I've done this countless times and, and to where I, I could tell this person is very flustered. It's their third, fourth, fifth time trying to get through this obstacle and things are not going their way. And so it's time to spot them. It's time to you know walk them through this obstacle, get them to where they need to go. And at this point, you know, the, the nerves are, are, are afraid a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the heart rate is up some, the adrenaline is starting to pump through your system a little bit. And, and so, you, you know, you're, you're, you're a little bit, you know, hyperact, you know, uh, hypervigilant at this point. Mm-hmm. And so when you have somebody that then steps up and starts screaming directions at you, yeah. what do you think that that's going to do? It, it's going to take their anxiety to another <laughs> level there. It's going to go in one ear and out the other, or it's going to freak them out. Or if you come up to them and be like, okay, look. You're going to put your driver's side tire up on this rock and you're going to feel your passenger side rear come up quite a bit. And it's Mm -hmm. going to be okay because you're going to be coming, transferring your weight over this. And as you come down, you're going to feel things shift over to the passenger side. And if you explain to to them what is about to happen and what they can expect in a way that isn't going to freak them out, Mm -hmm. it makes all the difference in the world when you say something in a specific way or, you know, it's not always what you say, but how you say it. That's, I just said, you instill confidence. Yep. It's so true. And I I think that's a really good point you brought up. So for a newbie's point of view, hopefully they're with somebody in the Jeep that they, that got them into Jeeping and that person can spot. And it's easy to say, you know what, I'm going to spot for this person. And, you know, you can sort of say I'm new. I mean, Bill did that with me, you know, I was new to driving. And so he'd say, I'll spot her. And then everybody backs up. But I also think there's an issue on when you select the trails and who you go out with. If you know that you've got some people out there that do what you've just described and are not patient or do the peanut gallery thing, then I think it's the trail leader's job to sort of say, all right, guys, enough, because it's actually a safety issue. If you've got too many people on the trail that are saying, you know, do this, do that, do whatever, and that driver is completely distracted, there is safety issues to be concerned. So I'm just going to say it, that if you're a spotter, then you take the lead and you control the situation. And I have been out there. It's it's harder, I think, as a woman sometimes because I do run into guys who refuse to have me spot them, even though I have really mad skills, apparently, and can do some really good stuff. Um, so I don't get my ego involved at all. I don't care. If you don't want me to help you, fine. When you get stuck, I'll get you out of it. But the bottom line is I think that you as the spotter have to take control. And I have in positions had to say, enough, everybody be quiet. I just me and then driver back to me. So you would have that as a new, as a newbie, you might have this chaos going on and you might have somebody barking orders saying everybody else stop. So not to discourage a newbie from driving or starting, but spotters can be very, very helpful. But it is sad, Josh, that people just don't, they either jump in too much. They're excited. You know, we all get excited when we're out there and we all think we know something, but let me know, let so. me ask you something, Wendy, because I I really want uh, some other perspective on this. Now, what do you, what do you say? You know, when as, as you driving up an obstacle and uh and, and you've got three or four people uh, all trying to spot you, and 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 speaking to somebody who who's maybe a, a newer jeeper or something like that, mm-hmm. you've got three people who are all giving you directions. Um, you know, who do you who who do you listen to? Do you listen to the person who's loudest? Do you listen to the person who's up the trail furthest? Do you listen to the person who you trust most or who makes you feel the most confident? How do you pick which of the peanut gallery you're, you're going to listen to if you've got three different people giving you spot, getting, giving you direction? Yeah, hopefully there's a little bit of a oomph in, in the newbie's ability. Uh, I would have no problem saying, 
stop. I need one person only. And then one person would emerge usually. Um, but I do think it for if you're a newbie, I think I would go with whoever was the most comfortable. If you're able to watch the action prior, let's say that you're back in the pack, you're not in the front, you got to get out of your Jeep, you got to watch a few things. And if you watch person A, whatever his fluster level was, and then you watch person B and then C, and then all these people now converge on you, I think you can say to them, you know what, is it okay if I use person C? You know, that kind of a deal. I, I don't think that would be un reasonable to do it. Would the newbie do it? I don't know. Depends on your own confidence level. But if you had a chance to look at somebody and watch what they were doing, who did you connect with? Did you feel more comfortable with it? I'm very comfortable with my husband spotting. There's about four people on our Jeep club that I would have spot me on any situation. The rest of them, sorry, probably not going to be as confident. <laughs> and it's not a negative. It's just their style maybe doesn't connect with me or my ability to listen or to watch. Maybe they're verbally and I like a more you know visual uh, commands instead. So I think it kind of depends on the person, but I'm hoping the newbies that hear this are going to say, you know what, I can do this and let me find out, you know, who, who do I want to choose? Let me ask you a question from the opposite side now. Uh, let's say, you know, you're, you're standing back and you're, you're watching somebody give somebody direction and you hear them say something and it's like, no, oh God, yep. no, don't do that. What do you do at that point? You, when you know for certain that th this person, this spotter, do that. just That's gave bad. a driver bad advice <laughs> and, and likely something bad is about to happen. What do you do? You know, Are you first sure? I would, Are you yeah. sure? Are you yeah. sure? Are you sure you want to pick that line? Are you sure? Really? Because well you're just going to well fall. Done. Okay. Uh, I think for me personally, I would assess it very quickly. One is what that was that command given. Is that going to make the person tumble or have a really bad serious accident? If it is yes, I'm going to scream, stop. And I'm just going to say it from a safety standpoint, and I'm going to stand behind a safety reason. If I get chewed out later for doing it, fine, whatever, but if I saved it. If I thought it wasn't going to be something so serious, I might let that happen so that the drive, so the spotter could learn, hey, you just, you know, effed it up, dude. You kind of made sure that this guy fell over or he did, you know, or he got stuck. Um, and at the same time, then I might help and offer to jump in. But it's really interesting when you see the dynamics in the spotting world. That if there's somebody doing it and they're doing it wrong, you almost have to let them continue until the driver says, I need someone else or until you can jump in at the right time. But that's a tough one, Josh. That's a really good question, by the way. But Yeah. No, I've, I've ran into that situation a couple of times. It was a number of years back when I, I was a big group. It was all kind of this bottleneck uh, obstacle. And it was it was sort of one of these where you kind of got to come uphill around Oof. this this you know hairpin corner obstacle and then come back downhill and somebody was directing somebody to kind of take the high side and oh. and it was just not the right advice and i mean you couldn't do more than three tenths of a mile per hour through this thing so it was an extremely low speed very controlled flop at that point um mm -hmm. and i just sort of let, let it watch it watch it happen um but i knew that it was going to happen i i saw it coming i heard it coming i, I was like okay this is what's going to happen and sure enough it happened and it was one of those situations to where i could have stepped in I should maybe should have stepped in, but it was, you know, three minutes later and five guys all pushing from one side and the Jeep was back on its wheels and there really was no harm done other than a broken mirror. But mm -hmm. it's one of those situations, the principles behind it, it could have been a lot worse. There could have been an injury. There could have been vehicle damage. And it's, it's one of those things to where do I step in? Do I know what's best? Is this my place? Really hard to tell. It's a really hard call to be in. And when you're a good spotter and you're, you you have this ability to see things that are going to happen. It's hard to keep your mouth shut. 
So I've just learned to, if it's not my job to spot, if I've relinquished it and I'm not put in that position, I kind of have to let things go unless I see something really grossly that might be, you know, putting somebody in serious harm. So it's a tough call, though. It really is. So, Wendy, this is newbie nuggets, and you used a term that I think most everybody is familiar with, but there may be a few uh, newbie nuggets out there that aren't. What does full lock mean whenever you're turning oh. the steering wheel from, uh, you know, from what, from turning it to, to turning it to full lock? What is what is that? So, what happens in in when you're really maneuvering through an obstacle is less is more. So, small increments. When a spotter says to the driver you know, go ahead and turn to the right or turn to the left, or I'm using my hands like a steering wheel and motioning right or left. I want small, minor movements. Full lock means that they've turned the wheel completely as far to the right or as far to the left as it'll go. What that does to the tire is it completely turns it, and maybe the spotter just wanted that tire just a hair over or just a tiny bit to the right. Remember when I talked in the past about how the rear tires are tracking to those. So maybe I'm moving that front tire just a little bit to get that rear in a better line to come over that obstacle better. So full lock completely changes or could change that direction of those rear tires, thus sending you off the obstacle. And sometimes you might have to do full lock because I need to turn sharp, like what Josh just described in that sort of obstacle. There's probably a moment where they have to go almost full lock. Their tire has to be turned as far over as they can go. And if I if I heard right, Josh, you were kind of questioning uh, the legitimacy of the person that's doing the spotting. Where you know who are they? How, how do you know whether or not to trust them? I've actually brought this up uh, on uh, you have. on the show before yep. because you don't know. You may not know this person that is, is uh, telling you what to do and where to go. Uh, that's why I'm here tonight to announce the Jeep Talk Show School of Spotting. Uh, once uh, you have spent your twelve hundred dollars with us, and that twelve hundred dollars <laughs> is on purpose. Uh, you'll get a Jeep Talk Show spotter hat and a Jeep Talk Show spotter jacket. So people will know that they can trust you spotting on the trail. I like it. <laughs> okay, as, as always, you can feel some great videos on our YouTube channel, Jeep 4-1-1, with lots of tips, tricks, and techniques. The website info is in our show notes. And if you're a newbie, or maybe you remember something important you learned when you first became a Jeeper, and you want to share it with us, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us with your newbie nugget. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out all the ways to contact us. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I've got a side with Josh on this. Uh, I've got a rack on the top of my Jeep on, uh, and Wendy's got one on top of hers. And I can't live without it. I think... Uh, Roof racks are more for the Cherokee crowd. If you have a Wrangler, it's kind of a few more obstacles to get a rack on top of your Jeep. And maybe a little costly. I don't think anybody realizes how little room there is in a Cherokee and how much support equipment it takes to go on a 100-mile drive and then a 3-day trek through the woods. So, uh, yeah, I have a roof rack. I throw my lightest gear on it, a cooler, uh, camp. I got a few totes with camping gear in it. And uh, it... It, re it really does help. That's not why I'm calling. I'm calling today to find out <laughs> if you know the answer to. If the FBI knocks your door down, do they have to pay to fix it? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> and yes, Henry is alive and well. Oh, he good. realized that if you're easy to catch and taste delicious and barbecue sauce, you, it's best to keep a low profile. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> 
So timely, uh, timely interjection there by Nikki G. I know he was kind of talking about a joke with the FBI knocking down your door, but uh, uh, something very similar actually happened here to my neighbor. Oh, uh, I, uh, oh. yeah. I, I, uh, I come home uh, from from work the other day to a neighborhood full of police, and, oh. and I'm like, and all around my house. I'm oh like, no! What the fuck is <laughs> they going on? Found Seriously, you. I, I, I was freaking out because I'm thinking, okay, did somebody break in? Did somebody get to one of my guns? Is there, has there been a shooting? What is happening? Um, and I come to find out that the, the, my neighbor who is a widower, um, an old retired Chicago police officer, um, had not been heard of in a few days and his guy, now I can't remember if it was his brother or his son, uh, had called him and the guy doesn't have a cell phone. Uh, tried calling multiple times, um, and no answer. And so, um, he called the police for a welfare check. Right. And so the police, you know, contact the neighbors and the neighbors, you know, are, you know, asking all the other neighbors and everything like that. No, nobody's, you know, seen or heard from him. And, you know, I, I, I know the guy, I know his name. I, I know what he drives and everything. And they're like, well, there's a car in the garage. I was like, yeah, but that's not his daily driver. I was like, he's got this, you know, he's got this one car in the garage. He's got a bike and then he's got his car in the driveway. And if the car's not in the driveway, then, then he's not home. And yeah. so, which is weird because, um, you know, the TV was on. Uh, mail oh. was there, lights were on, um, you know, it, there was evidence of him having, have been home, but he hadn't really been home in a few days. And so he had been, it's like he had up and left very quickly and didn't let anybody know or anything. And then was gone for several days. And I was like, well, was he in the hospital or whatever? So the police broke down his door, busted down his door to do this welfare check. They, they went around, you know, checking windows were open. They weren't. So they had to bring in the battering ram, the whole thing that you see on the, you know, the police shows and everything and, and bam, busted the door down and they had to bring in this company and this company installs a padlock on the door after things are done. And it's like, okay, if you want back into your house or back into these premises, you need to contact the police and, and the, the sheriff's company will contact the, uh, this company and then they will all come out and, and together they will let you back into the premises. So, you know, we talk about Nikki G breaking down the door and who's going to pay for it and everything. It's, well, it's really a valid question because it happens more often than you think, I guess. I don't know. Wow. You can't really leave the door open once you've broke, broke it in. So it makes sense. No, no you can't. You're kind of you liable for the stuff at that point. Yeah, you got to secure the premises. So, yeah, they're, uh, that, that's how that's done. That's very, very interesting. So, yeah, this guy's, when he's, when he's so talking about that, I was like, the, well, that's a valid the, question, actually. <laughs> the, so what happened to the neighbor? Did he come back? Where was he? He did. He came back the next day, and I was like, "Well, I bet he's pissed." Son of a no bitch! <laughs> I don't know where he was. I, I think that he might have been sick or something. Went to the went to the doctors or something like that. And this was this is literally right before this whole COVID scare thing. And and so he's like, "Who knows what was going on with the guy?" And I haven't talked to him in in a couple few weeks, so I don't know what's what's happening. And, I I keep my and, distance, man. I mean, not just for the yeah, COVID. You don't, point, you don't uh, know for, point, yeah. for sure if it really was a health and welfare. Yeah, he's being watched. So I, I did want to mention, uh, Josh, I know you're not uh, a big social media uh, person, so you did not see. There was a lot of people that commented, and when I say a lot, five, less than 10 uh, people commented about how much, uh, how important it is for them to have a roof rack. And, and a lot of it started. Oh, oh yeah, I saw I that. you people. Oh, yeah. thank oh. you. I'm not alone in this world. <laughs> and, and, oh, uh, and actually, they used the same words that Nikki G uh, used is like, I'm with you, Josh. They would, yes, a lot of them did. started with that. I'm with you. So, mm-hmm. uh, I know you felt, uh, felt bad. You had a bit of depression oh, was, after I last episode. Alone. I was <laughs> I out in the wilderness. I was on <laughs> the end Josh. of that branch all by my lonesome. 
So there was quite a few people that agree with you, and they were some of them were Wrangler owners too. It wasn't just well, uh, Cherokee. Yes, I saw that, and they posted their pictures too, which was kind of cool. So I th- I felt kind of bad that we sort of all went against you Josh. But- ganged up on me. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> you know what? I would like to put a call out to all the Jeep Talk Show listeners to uh, email Josh and encourage him to get on social media. It's just such a rich and wonderful environment, and he's missing out on so much. It's a time suck. I've got other things (laughs) to do, people. But see, you used one of the special words that makes it all worthwhile. Suck. It is so much fun. Embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. Yeah, exactly. You must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff, pick of the week for your Jeep. Yeah, chances are that if you're listening to this show, you have taken your Jeep off-road or know somebody who has taken their Jeep off-road or at the very least has seen another Jeep who likely goes off-road. And what is the one thing that all those have in common? Well, yes, their owners are broke. But no, I'm talking about the most common pieces of armor one puts on a Jeep, rock rails. Now, virtually every off-roading Jeep has them and they are arguably one of the most critical pieces of armor we can put on a jeep but as we add more do more with our jeeps the modification list just gets longer and longer and many jeepers at this point find themselves owning a jeep they take off road often maybe even in those tight very technical trails or in the rocks for some serious rock crawling and at that point armor is a must there is just no question about it but most of us don't have tube fenders or an exo cage and those rock rails can only protect so much of your jeep before you find yourself needing more protection what happens exactly when you get deep into those rocks or you know really off camber those trees are getting a little tighter this year than you remember them being last year and suddenly the side of your jeep is in contact with that fir spruce alder or some large random outcropping of rock your bushwhackers or other plastic type fender flares may serve counter if they're flexible enough, but how do you protect the tub of your Jeep without going to the extent of outfitting a full exo cage or springing the loot for a full set of tube fenders? The answer is what I or what are called tube rails or tub rails, I should say. And there are a few manufacturers that are starting to come out with more and more versions of these things called tub rails. Now, the ones I'm highlighting today have the specs to get the job done and a lifetime warranty from a company who stands behind their product. So, if you need some serious tub armor for some serious off-roading but don't want to spend a fortune, then you're going to want to get your hands on these right away. The link that we'll have for you in the show notes for this episode will take you to the set for any 97 to 2006 TJ Wrangler, but not the LJs though, that's a different crowd. But there are any there are versions for virtually any other Jeep, including XJ Cherokees out there. So be sure to find a set that will work for you. You know, these things are great. Uh, I wholeheartedly recommend uh, getting this protection, even if you don't go off road, because when people start slamming the doors open on your Jeep, they're going to hit this thick metal mm-hmm. <laughs> that's easily painted over uh, if they do idea. if they do ding anything and it's just gonna notch their oh, door yes. more than anything <laughs> it'll make you giggle when you come out and you see that and you go well yeah. that's about a nickel's worth of paint i gotta put on there and, and that's then, gonna be a new door for them yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so it's a great way to teach people manners in uh inside a, a parking lot i didn't even think about that oh i love know. This that is perfect for the mall crawlers yes i, I never mm. would have even thought of that in a hundred years and, and no you, that is yep. awesome 
awesome. <laughs> and you can use them as sidesteps. And these would be proper sidesteps oh, because they don't hang down. They're not going to hang you up. They're nice and flat and safe, and it's going to protect your rockers. I wholeheartedly recommend some sort of slider, uh, rock rail type thing, because it, there's so many, many, so many, many more things that you can do with these than just off road. In fact, I've used mine when people were trying to uh, turn into my lane. You know, I've been hit several times with my Jeep. Oh yeah. And there's right. the, the the sliders have taken quite a bit of the the rub rails on the sides have taken quite a bit of damage. Uh, but no dents. Not on my not on my Jeep. Looked like trash for the, the little car that hit me though. So <laughs> yeah. So it's great. I love it. Uh, it's like driving a tank. Well, now that you must have a set of tub rails for your own Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 433. You, you guys didn't see any police. We can actually get out here and, and interact with one another tonight, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Everybody got nice. the secret they meeting group location. Though. Oh, jeez. Just... Six feet? No. <laughs> Oh, it's just, it's so, I, I don't, at this point, scary's kind of gone away with pissed off. Uh, no, seeing yeah. some of these things that the government, the over, government overreach is doing with uh, blocking people from doing things. I just, ah, and especially whenever they start taking license plates down of people going to church for Easter. Oh, for yeah, F's sake. You didn't hear about that? You didn't read about that? Uh, no, but could, do we have time for a quick story uh, that yeah. happened to me tonight? So uh, I ordered pizza. I typically don't cook on Thursdays. I do all the cooking in my house, and and uh, and I don't cook on Thursdays because I'm doing stuff for the show. Uh, so one of the things that we typically do is order some, uh, order up some pizza. And um, the company, I, I don't know if I should say their name or not, but the company who I ordered pizza from tonight uh, is doing contactless delivery. And and so what you have to do is is when you order, and I ordered online this time, is is you have to type into this field. The specific directions for the driver to where and how they are to leave the pizza on your premises <laughs> and then notify oh you of when and where the pizza has been left and then leave said premises. And 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 so I put in, in the, the instructions, we're not paranoid <laughs> or sick, three exclamation points. And I was just like, I, knock on the door, set it on the on the on the step. I don't care. Or I hear here's an idea. How about we be normal and you just hand it to me? And, and yeah. so those those were my instructions, you know, to the pizza delivery place. Oh dear! And so a half hour later, the uh, you know, I FBI I, I came the, back. <laughs> <laughs> the black helicopter started circling, and no, uh, um, I get a you know knock on the door, and I, I hear the car pull up, and, and before he gets a chance to knock on the door, I, I roll out there and and uh, and you know answer the door real quick, and 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 it's just kind of like there's that half a beat pause, you know, it's like, well, are you? You know, you're not wearing a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. You're not setting the pizza down. So you're cool, right? Okay, awesome. And the first words out of his were, I really liked your delivery instructions that you wrote in there. <laughs> and he, starts, he immediately starts into this story about him and another coworker getting into this huge argument over this whole COVID thing and whether or not this person is taking it seriously. And that's for this person is taking, you know, it, it think it's a joke and all this other stuff. And, and so I had this great conversation with the police, with the, uh, the pizza delivery guy on my front porch, less than six feet away, you know, without this whole contactless delivery thing. It's this utter bs i think but uh yeah but yeah let's let's get into the whole uh campfire site chat back uh, uh topic for this week now oh, real, real uh, quick this week i got an idea yeah. next time you order a pizza put in there i want you to skip that thing off my sidewalk like a frisbee when i open the door <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just get, got a good uh, good hook on that on that's, that wrist. That's some right. wrist action oh, in there. Get, get some good, good twist on that. <laughs> no, so this week's topic uh, uh, for the campfire side chat, I I, I thought we'd uh, get into some actual wheeling discussion, and uh, and it's one of those things where we're you know the official wheeling season is about to begin or has begun uh, for a lot of states. Um, but there's this whole thing as far as, well, you know, the clubs can't do runs because you're going to contain each other's vehicles or something. And so <laughs> I, I'm like, well, let's get into what type of wheeling that we like to do. Now, out here in the Pacific Northwest, I am spoiled rotten. I mean, we've got it within a 45 minute to an hour drive, either direction, either mountainous terrain or the, one of the nation's largest sand dune recreation areas. And, uh, you know, so I've got the, I've got coastline, I've got mountain range and everything in between all within an hour and a half drive at most. Uh, and so I'm extremely spoiled. I've got my pick of terrain any time of year, pretty much. And, and, and so I've wheeled it all. And, and so I've got my particulars and, and you guys who have listened to the show for any length of time know that I'm really particular to the rocks, to the technical wheeling. I am a rock crawler. Uh, that's what I like to do. But I wanted to hear from our other hosts and some of our listeners as well to the favorite type of wheeling that you do. I mean, do you prefer the rocks like I do? Or maybe you like the sand and, you know, really all about that horsepower and those big bowl carves and stuff like that. Perhaps it's all about the snow for you and your Jeep and that snow wheeling. And you know, maybe you're the kind of Jeeper that just loves the mud. It takes all kinds. So which are you? What kind of wheeling do you like best? And I thought that it'd be good to start off with Tony this week. And uh, Tony, I know that you've got some very interesting terrain out in Texas, uh, a whole myriad of stuff to, to wheel in. What, what, what kind of terrain is your favorite? I'll have to tell you, whenever I first started getting into off-road, uh, it was all mud. I mean, it was uh, full-size trucks, large tires, uh, lots of lift, and uh, go out and bury it in the mud. So uh, I, I know a lot of people dislike that. And uh, I could, uh, it was a lot of fun. I liked that uh, sliding around, that uh, loosey-goosey feel. Uh, I did not like the three hours of cleanup, and oh, yeah. uh, nor did the car wash uh, owner that I used uh, over there. So harsh, yeah. So and I, I, I had a pretty truck, and I liked uh, keeping it pretty. And uh, even after I washed the, the used those three hours to wash it, there was uh, still mud falling off my truck for oh, the next yeah. six months. Because uh, couldn't couldn't get to where all the mud was, but uh, the uh, the rocks up in uh, California where uh, Wendy was uh, doing the spotting for me, a lot of fun. Of course, the 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 just the majesty of the environment of how beautiful it was and being up in the mountains was you know for a, a flat country boy from southeast texas <laughs> it was hard to pay attention uh to, oh, to what i was going over to start looking around going just with my mouth open and flies you know trying to fly in because i was just, uh beside myself it was so be so beautiful it was really cool looking at a a, a very uh high lift on a jeep with uh, 37 inch tires and having boulders that were so close to the bottom of, of mm -hmm. that Jeep. So it was it was a very much different kind of wheeling. I can see how the rock crawling gets to be very, um, it calls to you. Because it's mm -hmm. if you can get up and over things of that size, there's really not a lot. Well, let's put it this way. Those little barriers they have on the, the highways, eh, you're looking at that going, I can, uh, I can get over that. Talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> So Tony, Tony, who else do we have with us uh, tonight? Who should we uh, who should we pass the torch to? Well, we got to go with Travis. Travis has been here for a really long time, keeping the the fire stoked. So, Travis, what kind of wheeling do you prefer? If I prefer wheeling, it's in mud. I, I love go. the mud, and I grew up in it. 
I've owned my Jeep since 1989. So I look back with a stock Jeep and I'm like, this is what I was tearing through. This is what I was doing. And that's what I did. To this day, I still appreciate and drive that and love it. I go on trails in Uari. I hit those trails and nine times out of ten, I'm getting towed up a trail. <laughs> Old YJ, I didn't have it built up to where it needed to be. It, it, it might be an out. It might be an out, but I've yet to accomplish that with those guys. So I just do what I do. I like mud, and I've got mud trails and mud slinged everywhere. And people are like, damn, you got through that? I'm like, yeah, I did. And I did it over JKs, JKUs, going through some mud trails, and I'm proud of it. Well, but you understand how some people just really don't like the mud, though, uh, I would assume. I hate mud. I don't want I don't want to go into it. <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> my Jeep can do it. That's all I say. Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. All right. Well, rock, God damn it. I can't stretch and get over it. <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump over to Bill. Bill, what kind of uh, wheeling? I, I think I know the answer to this, but what kind of what kind of wheeling do you prefer? All right. If you had to guess, what wheeling do I prefer? I would have gone with mud, personally, even yeah. if it wasn't the right oh. thing. <laughs> just throw no. everybody off. I just, yeah, mud is fun. Uh, there was a weekend we had down in uh, Truck Haven near the Salton Sea over President's Day weekend, and it's mostly clay and sand, and it was Ugh. so darn much fun. Uh, you just get sideways in third gear doing 40 miles an hour, mm -hmm. not have to worry about it. But the cleanup? is still going on and i believe that was about 12 years <laughs> yeah, ago <I> bet. <laughs> exactly so, that's the reason that's why i hate mud yeah i had a quad i had to rebuild the engine on so i pulled and this is after we cleaned polished we had it pretty i pulled the motor out of it i was still finding mud uh, oh, two years later yeah it's but that's, that's exactly as far right. as the jeep's concerned uh i like the technical rock it is it's it's a lot of fun it's uh it's satisfying like when you can get over that tactical rock or when you can get over <laughs> the uh over the obstacle and you're right there at the tippy point and you know you're yeah, doing it's, it, it's a lot of fun so uh Are you I've a JKU? You. yes it is a lot of fun <laughs> well bill yeah. is it like what i was saying is it kind of do you feel kind of empowered by being able to get up and over obstacles of that that size and that technical nature is that the the appeal for you yeah and uh but easily frustrated sometimes too. oh yeah certainly but that's part of the fun it is it is and then back up do it again back up do it again <laughs> and uh i've left my evap cooler on the trail a couple of times <laughs> They're not cool, the filter the no. canister up underneath yeah, yeah i don't, I, like, yeah. I don't think any we're not uh, into vaping here bill so uh, i'm not sure yeah. that's an issue <laughs> what? what's he talking what? about i need to go to the glossary of terms to figure that one out what was that well that's great so rocks for you bill hey chris uh what kind of wheeling do you prefer I prefer trail riding uh, hill climbs um michigan a couple of our off-road parks are old gravel pits so there's always uh 
dynamic hills as the uh, gravel uh, changes over weather and time. But uh, really, just enjoy getting out on technical trails, tight trails. Uh, we've got some fire roads in northern Michigan, which you can drive alongside. And there's uh, cutouts to some crazy hills. Some you, you can't make it up uh, on some days and some days you can. So I really just enjoy getting out on the trails. A little bit of mud. Um, fortunate in Michigan to have the Silver Lake sand dunes. Uh, that's more of a family. Take the wife and the kids out there and drive out, go to the beach, have a picnic and just, you know, roll around in the sand. But just really like the trail riding and, and hill climbs, elevation changes as much as we have here in Michigan. You know, trail riding is a lot of fun, and it's great uh, mm-hmm. to uh, get the family involved in the off-roading because it's it's pretty. You're not uh, in a paved area. Uh, there may be a, a few little obstacles, but they're usually very minor, and it's a, a great way to introduce people to uh, to off-roading. Well, generally, and, and with trail riding, you get to you get to tar- uh, partake in some vistas and, and scenery yes. that that you don't get to see anywhere else or, or typically mm-hmm. even with any other kind of vehicle right uh you're not you're not getting up there in your honda you're not getting up there in your subaru likely even you're up on you know on on, uh, on fire brakes and ridge lines and stuff like that you're up in elevation you're getting 270 degree panoramic views i mean just nothing like it now if you don't have a whole lot of elevation change where you live well then i guess i'm sort of taking all that for granted i uh, living out here in, in the oh no terrain it doesn't matter if it's flat you're sitting still getting to areas that the majority of people cannot get to unless they're on a motorcycle or on foot and 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 distance uh will preclude them from being able to get very far into it so no i, I think it's mm. right no matter what the the terrain is josh so what I else do we got agree. here and josh shut your mouth i <laughs> i mean my first trip on a Jeep, in a Jeep, was with my entire family. My entire family, meaning my grandmother, my sister, my sister, my brother, my brother, my mom and dad. And that's, we all rode through the North Carolina mountains. That's a lot of people in a YJ. Oh, let me tell you, we were packed in there like <laughs> sardines. Well, this is why you need that roof rack. <laughs> <laughs> just put the kids up there. That's all you're going to no, go. You, you, you never know when no, a loved one's going to pass away, and you don't want to ride in the there. Jeep with you. <laughs> but I drove that trail. I thought I was about to fall off the side of the mountain, and it was amazing. And I fell in love with the Jeep life at that point in time, and that was probably 25-plus years ago. I mean, that gave me my life where I am now. I appreciate it. I love it. Oh, and I yeah. respect it. So here's here's an interesting bit of perspective. Is jeeping really just an exercise in Stockholm Syndrome? I mean, we, we take these <laughs> our Jeeps out and, and literally, you know, put ourselves, our, our lives on the line. We get into precarious positions where we think we're going to die, and then we make it through. And it's that boost in confidence, and it's that, oh, I just did that. And and suddenly you're in love with the thing that almost killed you. It's definitely Stockholm That's a valid point. <laughs> That's a valid point. Well, let's jump over. Let's jump over, let's jump over to Greg. Greg, what kind of uh, wheeling do you prefer? I've never been off-road. Well, you, let's you, get him started. Do you have a do you have an idea of what what might be appealing to you? What kind of off road environment, or you're just just against it? 
I think if I did anything, that trail riding probably be, would be where I would start. I've done a lot of camping and outdoor stuff. I just never done it in a with a vehicle before. You know, that's actually a, a common theme. I'm hearing a, a lot actually with the, uh, the interview I did with another podcast recently. This is a very common theme. Uh, people who own sometimes for sometimes for years and and don't end up taking them off road uh, and and maybe only you know using them for getting out and camping or or maybe just some you know some scenic rides and stuff like that and never really using the jeep for its its off road prowess that it that it does have even its very stock form now obviously if you have a two wheel drive jeep not too many of those on the road anymore well then it's a little a little bit different of a story but uh, but for most uh, you know for most people. Um, it, it's either availability, you know, a time sort of thing, or, you know, hey, I've got to drive three hours or more to get to the closest place to wheel or go anywhere off-road, anything at all, remotely off-road, and it's a bit of an inconvenience for a lot of people. So, you know, I can understand a lot of people going through Jeep ownership, maybe even multiple Jeep ownerships, and never being off-road. Those are what we call mall crawlers, and we respect them, too. What they no, do, they did. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, never honestly, turned a vehicle until I bought my first XJ about three years ago, and then I realized there needed to be some upkeep done to it. And before you know it, I've been replacing water pumps or uh, water pumps and radiators and air conditioners and things like that. And I've really just learned to get to know how to work on vehicles, and and uh, now I'm starting to lift it and put tires on it, and maybe. Uh, venture off road eventually there you go there you go that and that's honestly uh where it starts for a lot of people you, you get a rig you start tinkering on a little bit maybe doing some slight upgrades or some upkeep or some uh you know a little bit of a resto mod you know that sort of stuff and and you know before you know it uh maybe you've got yourself a, a very capable off-road vehicle that you've put you know some hard-earned money and sweat and tears into and and why not take that thing off-road at that point and and use it for a little bit of what it's been designed for and, and that sort of stuff and Obviously, if uh, you know if uh, it's it's not really the lifestyle that you're into, and 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 you're just more about having a capable vehicle that that you know take you out of an emergency situation if if, if one so arises. I mean, that's where a lot of people uh, start their Jeep ownership uh, from. Um, let's go ahead and uh, and move over to uh, to Jerry. Uh, Jerry, what kind of uh, wheeling do you like to do? Well, I'd have to say that uh, I'm I'm more of a technical guy. You know, I've messed around a little bit with mud. Being in Central Illinois, there's you know, nothing but mud here. Oh, yeah, really, though. And, uh, you know, a little bit of sand, you know, some of that stuff. But really, the, the most fun part for me is the trail riding and the, and the you know, the technical rock crawling. And the, and the story I have behind that is um, I've got a, a built CJ, uh, which I've wheeled for a, a lot of years. And uh, I had a chance to buy a 97 TJ that was all stock, hmm. four-cylinder automatic. Oh. And... So I got it running and and uh, took it out, but I've had a, a just a blast with that thing. I've I've really all I've done with it is just uh, stuck a winch on the front and some rock rails and bumpers and 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 I take it as is. And uh, it, it was really a, a surprise because I I felt like open differentials. You know, I'm it's people are going to be I'm going to be on the end of the strap all weekend. And really, what I found was that um, it's challenged me as a driver to, to to be able to get across some of those obstacles and there's some obstacles that that i've done and where you know where somebody in in the seat of, of a rubicon couldn't get up it and 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 that tells me that it's a a driver's difference so for me it's technical stuff and 
And then, uh, you know, I have a lot of fun with the, with the TJ and the, and the CJ. And I just picked up a, a JKU that, you know, you know, I'm going to have some fun with that one, I think, as well. Any, uh, Jerry, you know what, sounds Jerry, like you have an addiction. Jerry, you know what <laughs> I find is interesting is all week we've been wheeling with a YJ with open diffs. And it's been getting through everything and some things that those lock Jeeps can't do. And you said it right there. It's all about the driver and picking yep. your lines. And, you know, it, you don't have to have those fancy Rubicons to to wheel. Yeah, actually, well, I certainly gonna... you don't have to have a fancy Rubicon to have fun. Oh, absolutely. Jared, do you have you any, speaking of that, do you, do you have any plans for modifying the TJ? Or are you just going to keep it the way it is? Uh, maybe throw a locker in there or something? Uh, no, I, I don't think I'm going to do anything with it. Um, I'm going to leave it stock. Um, I've got the, like I said, I've got the, the built CJ and then, uh, I am going to do some stuff to the, uh, JKU. I'm not, I'm not sure what yet. It'll probably just get 35s cause that's going to be my daily driver. Mm-hmm. Do, did you say if you had a winch on the TJ or not? Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you got it pretty well covered. It's just a little slower than flipping that switch for the locker. <laughs> Tammy is uh, is kind of like me. She she's wheeled a little bit of everything as well. I mean yep. everything from clay and and uh, and some uh, a little bit of snow and, and rocks and all sorts of stuff. Tammy, uh, you you've had a very uh, a pretty good experience with a multitude of terrain. Uh, what would you say at this point is your favorite? Well, I can tell you what's not my favorite. Sorry, That's not the Travis, but mud <laughs> is not mud. my favorite. No, no mud. Um, I would have to say I love technical wheeling. However, I don't want to do that all the time because it's so stressful oh, for yeah. me. Um, it's just white knuckled, and but I love it, and it feels so good once you accomplish it. But my other favorite thing is I love to be in the bottom of the mountains, in the washes down below. You all know I don't like heights, but I love to be out far away from civilization out there with nature, just like relaxing and wheeling, you know, it could be, you know, in the woods, but I really do love the washes in the desert because there's, you, there's so much um, beauty out there um, and it's so relaxing and it's just such, it's so good for your soul. Um, so I, I love trail riding in the washes and technical rocks. What about Wendy? Uh, Wendy, I know that you've got a fair, a fair amount of background with a multitude of terrain as well. Uh, wh- where, do you, uh, where do you find your favorite line? I'm kind of the opposite of Tammy. I like to be on the heights, <laughs> as tall as the mountains as I could find. Yeah. I love the views. Yeah. I love being up high. I just think it's amazing to be able to look around and do a 360 view or, you know, like you said, 280, something like that. But I think the rocks and the technical for me, because I really enjoy spotting, and I think driving and being able to try those things and then being able to spot people through it, it just, for me, it's such a neat thing. So I love the rocks. I love the technical, um, love some of the sand that we have in the deserts. I do like some of the areas that Tammy was talking about and the washes and stuff. But man, if I can get up on the high areas, uh, that's really cool for me. You know, thinking, hearing about everybody's uh, preferences for, uh, for where you want to go, I think that I'd like to modify mine to be... I like being in the Jeep because it really doesn't matter if I'm on pavement, I'm on a highway, uh, so I'm on true. a mountainside, or, or especially in traffic because I can see what's ahead uh, over uh, all those little cars that are in front of me. I just like being in the Jeep. And for you folks that uh, don't have a Jeep as a daily driver like you, Josh, uh, I, 
I would have a it, or it, me. Yeah, it makes a hundred percent sense from a financial standpoint, especially when you go to drive a lot of miles back and forth to work. But I would hate not having not being able to drive my yeah. Jeep back and forth to work it's every day. Definitely not as much fun. No. <laughs> Well, good. I'm a nice little insight here to uh, to both our hosts as well as some of our listeners as to what kind of terrain that we like, that we have, that we that we do, and and the sort of wheeling that we do with our jeeps. It's all a little bit of an inside look and and peeling back the layers a little bit, and as far as what makes us jeepers jeepers. We'd like for you to join in on the campfireside chat each and every week. We're going to go ahead and put the invite out for you guys to pull up a chair, crack a beverage, and. And, uh, well, join in on the conversation. Make sure that you are friending us, following us, and, uh, well, keeping up to date with everything that we have going on on our Facebook page because that's where the notifications go out on. So if you want to join in on the Campfire Side Chat, that's where you're going to get the notifications to do so. We'd like to thank Travis, uh, Bill, Chris, Greg, and Jerry for all joining us here tonight around the Campfire Side Chat and uh, jumping in and sharing your, uh, your information with us. Uh, we would like to invite everybody, uh, if you would like to join in uh, to the, uh, the Campfire Side Chat, you can do so now by getting in on the live recording uh, Thursday at 10 p.m. So next uh, Thursday, 10 p.m. Central Time, you can actually join our Zoom meeting, and then uh, you can listen to the show, talk amongst uh, the other folks that are in the conference call. Uh, we won't hear you, but when it's time for Campfire Side Chat, we're going to open up your mic, and then we'll be able to talk to you and find out what it, uh, what your thoughts are about whatever the question is uh, of that uh, for the Campfire Side Chat that week. So thank you all for, for joining in on uh, with us tonight. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to follow our every move on Facebook. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. So I told him, if you're going to take my temperature, Doc, it sure the hell ain't going to be with that thing. Podcasting since 2010.